Okay, so tell me the parameters of your guest yeah, appearance. Yeah, so in Ben's what is- ridiculously rehearsed second take on reality, <laughs> I just explained that my new parameters for this guest appearance is we will go to the end of the drink that I make for each podcast episode, and those will be my special guest contributions. After that, I will ceremonious- unceremoniously just dip out and be like, well, there's my drink. I got to go. But uh, that's how I'm doing my guest appearances. Um, all right. Well, I mean, if we're on the clock, then let's just get started. Welcome to episode six of Podcast X. I am joined today, my name is Ben Kendrick. I am joined today by my co-host, Rob Keys. Good evening, sir. And special guest, Kofi Outlaw. I'm just a man with a drink to finish. <laughs> who's here Who's here until the end of his, uh, until he finishes his drink. So um, this week, we're going to be talking about Lightyear, um, both reviewing the film as well as kind of talking about what is I would describe as an underwhelming box office performance. Some people are describing this as like bombing at the box office, which I, I think is uh, is a little bit hyperbolic. But we're talking about why we think that is. Why are people not showing up to see Lightyear and going and seeing Jurassic World Dominion instead? And we'll finish up if we have a bit of time talking about the DCU's Flash conundrum and how they probably wish they had their own ability to go back in time. Um, and maybe not make that movie or, uh, or cast someone else in it. So we're going to talk about that as well. Let's start off, though, with our review of Lightyear. Um, as we always do, we're just going to go straight into you know spoilers. I don't think this is a movie that if you haven't seen it, you're going to be like heartbroken to find out spoilers for. Um, it's relatively straightforward. But you know, if you're sensitive to spoilers, um, skip ahead to the Flash Talk. We uh, will have that in the show notes as to as to the timestamp for that. So, um, all right. I reviewed Lightyear for ScreenRant.com. I gave it a four out of five. Um, and my general gist uh, of the review was essentially that it's a solid, fine movie that I enjoyed watching. I think it's a I think it was an interesting idea from the outset. Um, to kind of do an in-universe prequel movie that's Andy's favorite movie that inspired him to get a toy, Buzz Lightyear, that then sort of set off the drama of the first the first Toy Story movie. I think that was a clever premise, and I think they, in general, pull that off. I don't think there's any real issue, in, in my opinion, on them even doing more of these. Like, I kind of want to see, like, a Woody prequel film now. Um, and I, I think in general, they do kind of a good job of differentiating this Buzz Lightyear from the toy Buzz Lightyear. It feels like there are, there are shades of Tim Allen's Buzz Lightyear as if that character is kind of, you know, doing sort of its, its own heroic impression of Chris Evans' Buzz Lightyear. I thought that all worked well enough. Um, my biggest criticism of the film and, and kind of I think what, what ultimately sort of keeps me from being like overly enthusiastic about it because it's a beautifully, you know, animated film. Like there's a lot of fun characters. I think, you know, socks, his, uh, his feline companion sort of steals the show. And 
I think in general, there's most of the story works. Um, we can talk spoilers a little bit about some of the logistics of of kind of why Emperor Zerg is is around and has kind of the backstory that he has and stuff. But outside of that, I think it's relatively straightforward. I think it's relatively fun. But I think it's probably one of the least imaginative Pixar films that, you know, arguably I've probably ever seen. Um, and that that stems from, you know, the idea that it is sort of in universe and kind of shoved into the front of, of a story that's more creative and, and kind of lends more to something that's unique in the, in the toy story movies. Whereas this is just kind of an animated space superhero movie. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily the most, the most kind of interesting premise given that, you know, we've seen other animated movies for, for that matter, do this probably even better. Um, because while it's while they're fun Easter eggs and while there are cool connections to Toy Story and, and sort of inspiration there, it's also sort of beholden to that formula um, in that this Buzz Lightyear has to lead into that one, which I think limits significantly some of the the things they could have done that would have made this even more wacky and more original. But, um, you know, when I think of WALL-E or I think of Monsters, Inc. or I think of Toy Story or you know, like Brave and, and some of the other films that, that I sort of think are some of the better Pixar movies, it, you know, this doesn't feel like it's on the same level as them, even though it's basically superior and above average in terms of movie going animated, you know, adventures in a lot of different ways in, you know, technical ways and storytelling ways, but it just doesn't have that spark. I think that that makes it feel like that has that Pixar magic um, you know, that, that caused people to actually like really turn up for, for Pixar movies. So, um, I'm going to throw it over to Kofi because I have not seen Rob's reaction at all to this movie. And I think I have an idea of kind of where Kofi's at. So Kofi, why don't you weigh in? We'll go to Rob and then we'll, you know, we'll dig into spoilers and, and unpack this thing. Well, it's a good thing you threw at me because I was about to interrupt the living shit out of you anyway. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. You know, I've been here for like six episodes, guest starring in, and I've just let it pass every time you just say this. So you're going to have to explain to me, like, you're still the reviewer of ScreenRant.com? Yeah, explain <laughs> this to me too, Ben. Yeah, well, so when I, when I you know, parted ways with ScreenRant, I, I asked if I could stay on to review movies because that was one of my favorite things to do, aside from podcasting back in the, uh, in the old ScreenRant golden age. And Alex Ledbeater, who is the managing editor and now you know content director for valnet for the sites that i was overseeing and may allowed me to stay on as well and so i'm i'm popping in for a couple reviews a month and uh and still writing up reviews on the site man i am uh, not i do not think the cbs severance plan would have like yeah that's crazy man yeah, all right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, mean, I, I also approved the whole thing behind it's true, the scenes. It's true. I, yeah, I don't. I don't want to make it sound as though yeah, Rob was uh, <laughs> was not involved. No, in you know, this Ben Ben for just like you, Kofi, for years and years, we're reviewing films for us. So, uh, uh, any chance that we could, you know, keep someone in the family like that? Hell's yeah, you know, especially the review side. That's such a cool part of the voice of the site and, uh, and having Man, a long time. I feel like Kate McKinnon in that uh, SNL skit with that <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Gosling there? Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, wow. It has not been my experience, but all right. So moving on. All right. So let's talk about Lightyear. 
Um, yeah. So Lightyear is a movie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I went to Lightyear and I took my son because now I have a son and he's four and he loves movies and he loves Toy Story and, you know, Disney Plus owns him. So, you know, he, I thought it would be a good control to have him come with me and go see this. And we saw it in IMAX. That's my drink going down, by the way. I'm getting ready for, got to wet my throat for where all this stuff I'm about to say. Um, so we went to see Lightyear and, um, you know, I think the whole Pixar thing is an interesting thing right now, you know, because I, I was talking about this on the, uh, other excellent geek culture podcast, comic book nation. Um, and I, I kind of went in about people and, you know, Pixar in where we are with Pixar as an entity and like what it's doing and there are like a people behind Pixar, like really powerful you know, really good storytellers and people, but there are also people who are going through life and Pixar is kind of tied to storytelling that goes through, you know, the, the steps of life, you know, yeah, we get something like a toy story, but we also get something like an up that leaves us all emotionally shattered. And I think that it's a really weird thing because I had to go back and just double check, but like, yeah, we had uh, turning red before this. Right. And yeah, I think yeah. Turning Red is another – between Turning Red and Lightyear, I think we're seeing signs. And even like The Incredibles 2 was like this, um, just a signs of Pixar having to – like Pixar and the people behind it going through their own kind of maturation process. I mean even Soul in a kind of weird way was like a, a very – you know, ruminating on very things that are much kind of more mature – and more complex even just to have a conversation with my kids about like what they were seeing and like, what is soul and like, what is this strange place? And like, what is this about? And like all this, the conversations are more serious. Right. Um, and I think we're kind of getting to a point where like, yeah, the Pixar, the people who make Pixar and what Pixar is as an entity is maturing and getting to that kind of adolescence or teenage age in itself. And so we're seeing different kind of concepts being taken on in these movies. And like, yeah, everything's wonderful when you're young and it's, you know, awesome and awe-inspiring. But I think we're getting to these movies that are a little bit more serious, not so much for the kids, but for the adults in the room who have grown people like us who have come through our lives with Pixar and expect certain things from Pixar, but are now at a much different age. Like, you know, we are there. I am there with my kid. It's not me going to go get wowed by Pixar anymore. Like I'm sitting there with my child. And so I will say for Lightyear that I think people, I think film Twitter and, you know, for the record, I said fuck film Twitter when it was forming back and I could see this in New York. I tried to tell people, Julian, if you ever hear this, Julian, who's part of the industry, a great, you know, pundit out there. Um, he, he'll attest to this the day I did. I tried to warn people at a junket we were doing for, I believe, 21 or 20, no, it's 22 Jump Street. But I don't agree, but, like, I think film Twitter but is mostly made of adults, right? So, like, I get it. I get why Lightyear is not connecting with adults because it's not, like, a happy subject for adults. It's, yeah. like, it's a very kind of deep thing to be thinking, and especially in a post-pandemic kind of world. It's a very heavy subject to be thinking about, like, what is the life you've been chasing? Where are you at with the life you have? And, like can you reconcile that and find the meaning and, and the joy and kind of the purpose in the life that you have and all that stuff. Right. Um, 
so you don't become some weird version of yourself uh, of how you could turn out. Uh, that's heavy stuff for adults, so it's not like a fun thing anymore. Just like Turning Red was uncomfortable for like a lot of the adults who saw it. Like a lot of kids just thought it was like hilarious, but a lot of adults like were like, "Wait, what?" It's like, "Oh God," <laughs> you know, and it was uncomfortable. Um, and so I, I get why it's not connecting. Uh, I think what you're seeing and what money that that Lightyear is making and that sixty million or so, like, was it about sixty million? Yeah, that we we're opening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's just families and kids and what you're and what it does effectively definitely did for my son and other kids that I've heard, you know, who have seen this is this is their first kind of real introduction and to what sci-fi is like what sci-fi really is. And like it's it's a very clever kind of underhanded sci-fi delivery vehicle. And it's a mix of pulpy sci-fi, but also Nolan sci-fi, right? Like. This is interstellar. Like part of this is just interstellar. Like it's just the whole, we're talking about a kid's movie with time dilation. So there is some science fact, like, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff built in that my son was asking me, you know, once I trained him not to ask questions during the movie after, you know, we got out, he had a bunch of like all kinds of questions and, you know, why was this and why was that? And like, you know, Oh, and he was all curious, but he liked it. And he likes the buzzier lightyear character that he saw in this movie even though he likes the Buzz Lightyear toy that he saw in the other movie. So, like, mission accomplished in that sense, right? Um, So I I don't want to take away what what Lightyear is as a kind of sci-fi movie to kids. Um, I don't think that this movie did enough to kind of stress visually why people need to see it on, like, an IMAX. They're doing a lot of split showings with IMAXs where, like, they're only doing half days, where, like, the uh, morning times where they think the kid market is, they'll run light year, and then at night they're doing Jurassic World Dominion. I know that's certainly true for Nashville, IMAX. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's true for other markets. And I don't feel, I think, right now, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel, I think people are coming off kind of high of, like, Top Gun Maverick and stuff like that, and Jurassic World Dominion as kind of, we're sliding into that Spielberg Lucas thing we were talking about in our, in the old, you know, screen right underground podcast. Those yeah. are both big event theater worthy films right now. To go yeah. Through. This is in, I am sorry, Charlie Ridgely who, in who reviewed this for screen right, or for, <laughs> for comic book.com. Man, it's going to be so funny throughout this podcast. Uh, <laughs> For comicbook.com, he he went he came on Comic Book Nation. He tried to implore to people why this is such a beautiful theatrical movie, and then I thought it was a great visual movie, and there are some spectacular looking sequences, but it's not something I had to see in theaters. Like it just isn't, uh, and I mean, in that forty-five day window, isn't too long anymore, right? So, like, yeah. I think I'd be I'm going to be interested to see what Lightyear does when it hits Disney Plus, right? And when it hits streaming, and like when and how many people will check it out then. Because we're in a different market, we're in a different world. Like on a streaming thing, this is going to be a big event. You know, people will be like, "Oh, that new Toy Story related movie is out." I mean, we could get into a lot of other factors and make excuses. And like, I mean, there's a surge right now. I'm dodging COVID right now. I went out with my brother for Father's Day. Turns out he's got COVID now. So you know, I'm up here in my goddamn attic. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, uh, so wow. far so good. So far negative because I have home tests out the butt. Because we now have to test in the studio for my other podcast because we're in a surge again, guys. Mm. So, like, I mean, there is COVID stuff. Um, yeah, there's, there's just, uh, 
it does, but didn't feel like appointment viewing to me. Like nowhere in my bones was I like, oh my god, it's light year weekend. Like I gotta be there, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's just the reality of it. In Forty-five days isn't, and I I think Disney has, you know, in a kind of way, <laughs> shot itself in the foot with getting people used to being able to get that product at home. Like people, yeah. I mean, you gave us Raya. You gave us soul. You gave us turning red. Like, I mean, at this point, people are kind of used to just being like, yeah, I can get, you know, good animated feature, sit my kids in front of the TV at home, don't have to take them out to the theater, deal with all that, pay for all that. And like, I can just do that. That's great. That's that's Friday night, Saturday or Saturday. So I can get some stuff around the house done event event I can save. So I don't know. The question I think we could be asking is, is there still, and you know, I didn't think anybody thought that Pixar films would be a, a casualty of this paradigm shift, but are there still rooms for like big animated features or will they just become streaming content? You know? Yeah. They thought they, their box office halls always told us, yeah, they would be part of that blockbuster paradigm that, you know, Lucas and Spielberg said was coming. Where it's just Marvel big big event movies, or everything else goes to some other. They didn't think it was. They couldn't see the streaming part of it, but they were just like, you know, now we know we'll just go to streaming and Pixar movies could become like that. Yeah, hmm. it's yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the and then I'll kick it over to you, Rob. Like it's it's interesting you bring up the point about seeing it in the big screen because like when I was watching it, I thought it was the kind of movie that I felt like you did need to see on the big screen because it's i mean it's beautiful and it's it's colorful and the you know there's cool like effects that they're doing with some of that like time dilation stuff but the more that i'm thinking about it the more that i i sort of am coming to the same conclusion that like i probably wouldn't have lost a lot watching it at home actually um so uh, yeah I, I i can hear that argument for sure uh rob yeah to that point i think we'll find out a better gauge of that once we see that Minions film come out later on the summer yeah. and certainly next year when we see something bigger, big and new, which is like, you know, the universe is working on the Mario animated film and right, right. that it could go either way, right? You know, Sonic was kind of a hit and this is certainly there's a uh, discussion to be had about Chris Pratt voicing Mario, but the, the, the idea of, of Mario and Nintendo going big budget, big screen is something we haven't seen you know, before. So that, that could be a game changer depending on the condition of the world in the box office at that point in time. But yeah, even for, and we'll have a deeper discussion about the box office later. Um, even for this one, quote unquote, underperforming, uh, against analyst estimates, this was still a big weekend overall because we had Jurassic world dominion bringing in big money and top gun still driving big sales. It crossed the threshold of the biggest Tom Cruise film ever. It's like 880 million now at this point or something insane. So it's probably gonna hit a billion by within the next 10 days. Right. So yeah, box office wide overall, we're, we're pretty healthy, even though this one didn't hit them toy story four numbers. And of course, toy story four hit a, hit a billion dollars. Right. So they were probably going, couple, going back a couple of years, expecting at least 75 to 80%, 80% of that. Right. But it doesn't seem like they're, like they're going to get close. Um, Okay, uh, you guys bring up a lot of interesting points, and I, I, I'm in agreement with a, a lot of them for the most part. Um, 
the main one being like right off the bat within the first 15 minutes, it's, it's what you said, Ben, like in you too, Kofi, it, it's such a beautiful film. Like the, that Pixar, I'll, I'll never not be astonished by the quality of Pixar animation and, 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 and more modern Pixar films, the shot composition, it looks like you could just transition into live action, the way they move the camera, the virtual camera, right? Um, it looks awesome. It feels dynamic. There's no questioning the quality of production design and the sheer talent of the teams at, at Pixar. They are hands down the world's best at doing this at a feature scale. Uh, in short form, I, <laughs> we can look to love death and robots and have a different story there, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris Evans, I think is fine. He, he fits the, the, whatever sort of expect from the live action, not live action, but the in canon live action Buzz Lightyear persona. Uh, my, my only qualm there is that the, the writing feels and this is sort of across the board, it feels very toned down. Um, and that does speak to everything about this film. Lightyear, as like the sci-fi movie that Andy watched in the 90s, feels very generic. Like this this Pixar movie feels to me like it has, doesn't have the same sense of adventure that I got from Soul and Turning Red, even Onward. And Onward, of course, bombed the box office and Soul and Turning Red went straight to Disney Plus after that. But I was kind of pulled into the character and heart and the journey on soul and turning red within the first act, this one didn't pull me in. And I think par- a big part of that is one, this Buzz Lightyear isn't that interesting. He's very generic. There's not much behind him. He has this drive to try to save the people because he caused this incident in, in the beginning, but I don't really care. Um, and then like the, the supporting cast around him, you know, for story reasons are sort of removed. Uh, and then you get some new supporting characters later on and none of them on their own are that awesome. And, uh, maybe part of it is I'm, I'm bored of Taika playing over the top comedic characters like Korg in the Thor trailer. But, um, I, I don't know. I just, none of these characters pulled me in like the leads of, of, of soul and turning red and, and the leads of onward and, and, uh, even the leads of Raiden and the last dragon or Luca and his friend in that film. Like I didn't, there's none of that. I didn't have that heart which Pixar films were so well known for. Um, I was, however, very interested in like uh, some of the cool ideas they explore, which is the, the you know, the time, uh, how they handle time. Even from the trailer, there would be a time jump, but there's a lot more of that. And they go and get to the time gaps of four years. And that's that stuff where they're playing with what happens to families in the colony as he's like missing time. That was really cool. That was what kind of pulled me in. But then once we got past that, I was kind of, starting to clock out until we get the third act twist a little bit. But um, yeah, I was hoping, I don't, I don't know what I, what I was hoping for there. And, and that's part of it is the Buzz Lightyear factor and it feeling generic. The other part of it is the scope of the film. They, they have the canvas to explore endless possibility in the galaxy. This is not constrained to Andy's bedroom or a car on a road trip. Yet this film feels like it doesn't have any of the adventure of those toy plastic toy based films, which is so weird to me. They're on an alien planet, which feels dull. It doesn't have much to it. And then half of the film takes place in interiors in the corridors and spaceships in this colony. And it's just, that <laughs> seems so weird. Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah, and it's like this, I think this thing would have been home run as like a, a launching point for Disney plus two years ago, timing and for Disney plus and, and the story reasons. But uh, I think what Kofi was saying is true. Like uh, I, this does Absolutely non-essential viewing the theater. I would not recommend people go well, they go to theaters to see this. This is a great streaming thing. It's perfectly they play it safe. They don't they, they do some cool things, but it doesn't it doesn't do the I big think, things. Weirdly, I think I agree with a lot of your sentiments, but not at all your reasonings. Like I think yeah. I disagree with a lot of your reasonings. I think first I want to say I think there is a very smart kind of 
way that they play this against the Toy Story mythology. Um, because if you think about like what this movie is really about and what happens to kind of Buzz Lightyear as a character and what happens to his myth and his legend based on the life he did live is kind of funny. Uh, people like, yeah. load up into something that's not like real, but like there is a kind of funny commentary about how what ha- what does happen to his life ultimately <laughs> and kind of how it goes and all the kind of ways it gets distorted and that story gets changed and stuff. Um, so I think there is a very smart story here. Um, I agree with you though, that I think people were thrown in about the bait and switch of it all because you like you alluded to, we were kind of sold the myth uh, in trailers of this being like the epic space adventure that, you know, basically Andy Star Wars, right? Like, and that's what the trailers kind of echoed, but it it is very much more in, like I said, it's more interstellar or something, or even like Memento or something like that than it is Star Wars in every kind of way. So it is kind of like weirdly, like a really good episode of like Black Mirror or the Twilight Zone or classic stuff like that, like classic pulp sci-fi, uh, like things, uh, which is a very strange thing, but like, that's what it is. But I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. And I think it started a snowball effect. Like I think critics saw it and were like, eh? and once anybody says even eh? and Pixar, I think is kind of for better or worse, built itself up to being this entity that like, it, it's like when people now, like there was somebody, I was seeing somebody, a crime report about somebody who's threatening kill somebody over an airbnb because the person gave them like a 4.5 instead of a five and it sprung <laughs> up this whole debate but it sprung up this whole real debate of like half the people were like oh i see where that person was coming from and it was like wait what and it's like yeah if you're not if you get if you don't give a five you're basically ruining this person's business and it's been determined this whole flame war debate about is giving anybody less than five an actual kind of like passive aggressive way of ultimately hurting their business, or is there an actual rating scale about things, right? Um, yeah. And, and the, the logic being that Yelp has programmed people to think like, oh, if it's less than five, somehow it's completely invalid or like terrible, which is ridiculous, but how people kind of do knee-jerk react to things. So I think Pixar, for better or worse, I say all that I say, has built itself up to being like, if anybody says anything less than, oh my God, this Pixar thing emotionally, like, you know, rejuvenated me or impacted me or I cried or I laughed or I, you know, did all three at once or did all at once, you know, then they begin to wonder, oh, this Pixar movie is bad or something like that. And it's like instantly it goes from five star to like one star, you know what I mean? In the mind yeah, of the people kind of looking at it. I, th- I think you're right, though. I think it'll be a, a different set of eyes and a different cultural mentality when it does hit Disney Plus, right? Because everyone's going to watch it, and everyone's going to have a fine enough time, and they're supposed to feel satisfied. It, it's a good part of that library. Um, uh, I wanted to disagree with uh, oh the cast. I do want to give the cast a shout out. I mean, Taika was funny for whatever his character was. Socks is a great character. Like Socks is going to sell a ton of merch like that thing. <laughs> so Pixar made his bones because yeah, socks. And if they can make an actual like stupid robot cat toy, like, yeah, that thing is going to sell like crazy. Like, yeah. Uh, and I'm, there, were just, uh, there were times I laughed out loud 
about shit that Sox was saying. Like Sox had some, some of the funniest moments. Um, I was a little annoyed that a lot of the plot things kind of depended on him being the most advanced robot in the in the universe. Um, Zerg sort of just had an army of Soxes and there would no problem at all, right? Um, <laughs> but I'm going to contradict myself. It, it's like that is an example of what you're saying. It, it is like it is Disney consumer products hijacking their films. It is it is it is Gragu. It is it is Baby Groot. It is Leia's droid. Whatever. I say that fully admitting that my favorite part about Lightyear is my Lego Lightyear XL-15 spaceship, which is the perfect mix of like the Lego I grew up with in the 90s, right? Those space kits uh, and like modern Lego. So so I, I'm complaining about Disney consumer products as I willingly build a Lego ship this weekend. <laughs> that's, that's, you just described Disney. Yeah, that's it, yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I really, I do want to, I'm going to be highly interested to see what happens when this hits streaming. Do you think it'll pick back up some moment? Like, will its week two drop be anywhere like a normal, you know, 50 to 60% drop? Or do you think it'll hold on to more momentum? Because that's another thing I've been wondering is like, if families might turn up for this, you know, for like 4th of July weekend and some of the other sort of, I don't know, like summer movie weekends that are that are coming up here where... Yeah, I mean- it could. I think we skipped over it. We kind of glazed over it. But Rob, I mean, hit the really good point of saying, like, this is also probably, and I, and I don't think even, oh, man, you know, we suck the media. But, like, we haven't framed this, but this has been, like, the most competitive box office I can remember since the pandemic. Yeah, like, totally. There is legit other things. Like, we were used to having, we were back to that old 1990s, like one movie of the week. Everybody's got a safe release kind of system there. Yeah. yeah. Before the pandemic, remember there would be like four movies every week and you'd have to like yeah. three to four movies and it'd be like, Oh, and then you knew, I mean, generally you knew who was going to get screwed, but like there would still be like three or four movies. Yeah. Now we were during the pandemic. It was like, Oh, we got one movie this week and it's got like two or three weeks and it's just the only thing. And it's back in that 90s feel. But now, like, yeah, now we got, like Rob said, we got Top Gun that parents want to go out and see and families. Uh, you got Jurassic World that a lot of families want to go see. And, like, Pixar is just opening in the midst of that. So it's just kind of like, who is going to be the leftover audience for that? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, very interesting. Parents it, it's kids. That's it. And they're all, like... You, it's interesting. It's such good counter programming. Those three examples, but there's more, right? Like we're not even done yet. Elvis is coming out, which I'm, I expect could be huge. It looks great, and yeah, the Black Phone's coming out. So horror fans have their thing too, and, and that's getting amazing reviews. So it's it's such a wild. I say that knowing it's, it's such a wild pandemic summer box office to start. So it, it's you know for the three of us, it's great to see that. But to answer your question, Ben, I, I think there's not really any direct counter programming to. Lightyear. So as like the younger, friendlier, yeah, big feature. This is the one until like I think end of summer, as far as I know. I can't think of another one outside of that group. The, yeah, Rise of Gru comes out July first, but oh, okay, that's soon. But that I don't know if like I can't remember what the last Minions movie made. I can't remember if it was. Let's see, I mean, it made, it made enough to make another one, but I don't know if these are like. Yeah, that's true. Minions twenty fifteen made. Well, it made one point one billion worldwide, but it's it only made. Story. Yeah, it was yeah, on, yeah, it, yeah, Minions has never slipped, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, they're getting that money. It was three hundred million domestic for that movie. Yeah, um, that I mean, this was all pre-pandemic or whatever, but it made one hundred fifteen million opening weekend. 
um, the first Minions movie. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I would think at least until that movie comes out, it it's, it feels like the kind of thing people are going to trickle in and watch. But but I don't know. I mean, you know, if you if you're paying it all, any if people pay any attention to like box office figures and stuff and the analysis and commentary around them, it certainly isn't going to help their case because the oh, way yeah. this is being presented is that. Yo, Despicable Me, Me 3 made a billion dollars as well. <laughs> that's yeah, insane. That's yeah. um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's not going to have – it's starting lower, so it's not going to have the big 60% drop probably. But yeah. you know, word of mouth is not helping this. There's not like a lot of <laughs> pun intended buzz for this film. So yeah. um, I don't know. I, this is not one of those ones where there's hype uh, as it as it once was, I suppose, and which is unfortunate. But also it, I, I think it makes sense. So – I don't expect this one to hit that high overall. What did, uh, I mean, let's, let's get into it a little bit about the movie. We don't have to spend like a ton of time, but I definitely want to talk about the Zerg twist and whether or not that actually makes any sense. Um, because I was still quite confused in, in sort of going back and thinking about like, you know, the kind of covers that screen man would probably be writing about it as to whether or not that the idea that there's two Buzz Lightyear's, made sense to me i which it didn't really and i didn't know i mean i get it's a kids movie i get it's you know it's this isn't this isn't interstellar even though we're making those comparisons um but i did think that that was kind of a weird thing to do especially because zerg in like you know in like the animated series and stuff has like his own backstory and stuff like this is kind of an established character so it was weird to like change that for this story um, I get how it plays against what Lightyear is basically on this mission to correct this mistake. And the journey that he goes on is kind of accepting, you know, his mistakes and and learning to live in the present and not feeling as though he needs to, like, fix his greatest mistake. So I get how it plays off against that. But by when they unmask Zerg and, like, you sort of get the flashback from his perspective and stuff, I was... You know, I was underwhelmed. And I guess, you know, for people who haven't seen the movie, it's basically that Zerg is Buzz Lightyear, an older version of Buzz Lightyear that basically had a different experience when he when he tried to, you know, go back and or not go back in time, but save, you know, save his crew and everything. It played out differently. And he went off and sort of discovered this alien technology that then he brought back to try and fix this this mistake. But I thought that I just don't know that that worked for me. Didn't it's yeah. losing my mind? Didn't they hint at Zerg was like his father, like like Anakin Skywalker style? Yeah, no, like, I Toy mean, Story Two. It was kind of implied it was a maybe a joke. Like that was kind of like a satirical. But that's the thing is like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty if I remember correctly the Space Ranger animated show like there was more to his backstory. Oh, I didn't I, see it's the show. contradicted by that, but. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that and this other thing, I saw this promo art, you probably, I don't know if you guys saw it too, where it's like Andy, like watching the movie back then yeah. he's in the theater with all of his toys, but it's like, not just the toys, it's the alien toys from the movie. And they're like, wait a second. When he saw this movie, <laughs> he didn't have those toys. Then wouldn't they all know buzz then when they met him? You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, I thought Pixar was just playing fast and loose with Canon across the board here, but yeah, uh, I don't know, but maybe it's fine. It, it, I, I kind of like it. I, the, the twist was satisfying to me at least just like the time travel stuff was I'm just getting really i'm getting weirded out by how many people are just obsessed i don't know if disney's got like some reconciling they're doing as a studio but it just seems like everything coming out of there is just like right now 
It's just like facing your evil self. Yeah. <laughs> it's becoming your evil self. Like, yeah. yeah. Doctor Strange and Lightyear. I mean, these are two big releases from this studio this year. And it's just like they're both. Happens in both of them. It's like yeah. messing with time and reality. I think that, I think uh, Ryan George did a funny. I think we did this videos for like we ended up dropping this this video series on on the Screen Rant channel. It's like Ryan George who does the pitch meetings, like did this thing where it was kind of like master classes where he would he would pretend to be like a visual effects person and he would be explaining to people how visual effects work in Hollywood and and they were very satirical. It was like the visual visual effects guy was like sleeping on an air mattress and had to sell his Oscar to make a living and stuff. And but one of the things that they were talking about was like like Marvel movie writers. And they talk a big chunk of that was talking about how, you know, the villain is the villain just has to be like a an evil version of the other one, you know, of the main Mortally. character. Yeah, exactly. So it's like so many times, you know, it's, uh, you know, you have the Wasp and, or not the Wasp, you have Ant-Man and then you have like, you know, yeah, Iron Man, Iron Monger, Hulk, the, you know, yeah, the Abomination, exactly. same thing. Yeah, exactly. So like it, yeah, I mean, it's, it almost seems like they're borrowing a page from the, uh, from the Marvel universe here of, but it, I, I mean, it, you know, like I said, it works from the standpoint of Buzz getting to see what he could have become and choosing to make a different, a different, you know, like choice, it's, but I'd rather just have a cool Zerg that has like an interesting story. Like you right. guys are saying, it's, a whole, it's like a whole universe. Like why isn't he an alien or something? You know, like that's true. Just, uh, so the, only, the only conceit there is like, because they planted the flag in the time travel part of it, they kind of had to do the, yeah, I guess the lead paradox decision maker point. If they kept it just space sci-fi shit without the time, then hundred percent. It's space. It's like Men in Black meets Galaxy Quest. Can I say Galaxy Quest? Or is that too soon because it's Tim Allen? You know what I mean? Like something like that. You know what I mean? Like with crazy wild aliens and beautiful planets and cosmic shit. But it's not. It's very grounded. It's a time travel t- tale instead. Right. Yeah, the third act yeah. is like almost like you know, in World War Z. It's like something they had to add on to make it true. <laughs> uh, like uh, yeah. it's not like it, again. It would be like an episode of Twilight Zone. Like yeah. And that's kind of what it felt like. It was, like I said, classy, pulpy, like make you think sci-fi entertainment. Um, yeah. Do you know what I was, was going to say, Kofi? Because like premise. the the theme of like most of our podcast so far has been about like these COVID productions, and to me, this was like their digital reenactment of being limited by COVID because of the scope of the film. Like digitally, they are stuck on this planet, stuck in these corridors. And it's, to me, I was like, oh my god, it feels like even the fucking CGI <laughs> films are delivering the same issues but yeah yeah, yeah. the uh yeah i mean it, there was some fun oh, there was some I fun also, i'm sorry i keep forgetting fresh out like also i feel like people don't give kiki palmer enough credit who is like in this summer alone looks like she's gonna do like great like several different <laughs> pretty awesome things she stars in this she stars in nope, nope uh, yeah. jordan peele's nope yeah. and like looks like yeah she's like a one-woman entertainment machine so yeah, yeah, she does a good job. I mean, jumping in with Chris Evans and being able to kind of do that vocal back and forth. I, I thought she did a good job. Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with the... Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't have a problem with, like, the supporting cast. I, I think I'm kind of in the camp of wanting to have spent more time... And I get that's not what the movie, what the movie is, but, you know, we have... 
his commander is, you know, and his really good friend, I'm forgetting that character's name, but the other um, Hawthorne, you mean, yeah, the, the older Hawthorne. Yeah, exactly. Like she, you know, she's built up as being this sort of legendary hero and legendary commander. And it's like, we just don't get very much time with her. And I get, I do completely understand. It's like, like life. <laughs> I guess. And, you know, and I mean, I guess that's part of the point of the movie is like she went on and had a satisfying life and she wouldn't change it and and whatever. But it, it was kind of I feel like by the time we get to Kiki Palmer's character, I don't know that I was as rooted in that legendary Hawthorne story as I as I wanted to be to be like, oh, this is her, you know, her daughter or whatever and her granddaughter. And and now I'm, you know, journeying with her or something like it felt that just felt kind of. I think that is what gets people about Lightyear. I think you hitting on it. I mean, there are quite a few shifts in this movie. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, from act. To, I, I haven't seen a movie that is literally feels like several different stories from act to act, which is yeah. exactly what this movie is. It's like three movies in one, really. It's yeah. about like the first act is just about you know him and getting stuck in the thing, and him and the older Hawthorne. And his obsession about getting off while she's living a life. The second act is him meeting the misfit team and trying to like learn about being a team and connecting to people again. And then of course yeah. the third act is him, you know, the big heroic kind of, you know, more Marvel-esque kind of hero facing your darker self thing. Yeah. And so it is a kind of jarring piece. And if anything, you know, when Rob maybe connected with Rob was saying like, I wonder how if the COVID of it all really did kind of, you know, fuck up the usually smooth kind of creative process at Pixar and kind of mess with them with doing this movie about, you know, starting, stopping, come back to the script and, you know, all that stuff, working separately, like sending things, you know, doing all this stuff. If that lack of cohesion is what we're seeing, you know what I mean? It could yeah. be. It's also a combination of having a lot of projects. But on the flip side, man, like I, I don't know. I, I thought Turning Red was pretty, pretty darn near perfect. And he, I, I, you know, I think I forget the reviews in Soul, but I fucking love Soul. Onward, I was a little mixed on, but even that, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at them with rose tinted glasses. But I, I feel like I connected with those ones and find them more memorable than this. It's it's true what you guys are saying though about you know about there being these three distinct sort of acts because one of the you know the first act is is constantly you're constantly reminded that there's this vegetation that's trying to drag people off the entire movie and or the entire first act and by the second act that is largely gone i mean they're you know they're inside the laser dome or whatever i guess by that point but but i was fully expecting those plant that plant life to come back in some way in the third act and like help kind of defeat zerg or something you know or at least them sort of use that against um, against Zerg. And, and I, I know that's a small point and that's just sort of a stupid thing, but it's like you've kind of established the environment has this quirk to it and then it's just sort of gone and, you know, you're just sort of on a space station at the end and, and whatever. Like, it seems weird that those things didn't kind of tie together a bit more. And it may be that they just kind of were chopping this thing together by the end. Um, they weren't concerned with without continuity at all. It just feels like that's the kind of thing like Pixar is so good at callbacks and there are callbacks in this plenty of callbacks in this movie for things that are established earlier on that. That's a weird one that just kind of feels like dead 
dead weight that didn't really amount to anything. Um, yeah. Especially since it's the only like notable feature of that planet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And again, like it doesn't matter, but it's Pixar normally ties those kinds of, those kind of things together in a way that's satisfying. And it does seem like maybe there's something to be said there about why some of this feels so disjointed, but. Um, um, so, so here's the thing. This is one of your earlier questions. Like, um, you mentioned you want to see, I forget what you said, like a Woody film or something, some other characters. Yeah. I mean, look, the, 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 the truth is like, they're not going to stop. Pixar is not going to stop making Toy Story branded films because it is a driver for the theme park and, and the merch, of course. So, you know, and it's certainly in interviews, it came up many times with the director and Chris Evans. Like, what will you do a sequel? Will you do a sequel? And they always say, oh, if the fans want it, but I mean, box office, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I mean, maybe it lives as a Disney plus miniseries at some point, uh, a follow up. And I would certainly be interested in seeing them do something. I mean, this was different than what people expected. It would have been two years ago. Right. Which yeah. is for better or worse. That is cool. And I would hope if they do a follow up to this, it is also very different than this. So that, that excites me, but I, I don't know if I'm excited to see any other character get a solo feature. I'd almost yeah. rather see some version of a toy story five at this point. Maybe, maybe that's heresy to say that, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, after seeing this, I think prior to seeing this, I would have said I would have much rather seen this because I was one of the people who kind of felt like Toy Story. I They're Toy Story 4. Like, I understand why it's there. I think they did a good job kind of finishing that trilogy twice, basically. They did Toy Story 3. They found a way to come back for 4. Like, I'm on board for the most part with Toy Story 4, but I don't know if you come back again with Toy Story 5. It's like, then how do you do that? And have it be satisfying. That's why I was glad that they went this route. But after seeing this route, I am a little bit, I am maybe a bit more interested in seeing a Toy Story 5 because at least that would have been, it would have had kind of the unique features of a Toy Story experience, which is like the rules of the toys and, you know, those kind of things. Um, But I would, you know, as much as we're kind of, you know, and I gave this film a very positive review. So I'm not, I'm not even saying it's a bad film. I think it's just, I think it kind of missed the mark in some ways that would have made it more memorable and would have made it stand out and would have made it feel more necessary than it, than it does as it is. But I would totally watch a sequel at this point, especially if the sequel took us, you know, to infinity and beyond. Right. I think this sort of has the almost, it's like the tar, the star Trek reboot, you know, Kelvin timeline series where it's like, you know, they never really get to go just have the adventure. Like that's what people want to see in Star Trek. And we're sort of getting that now with like strange new worlds, but everything was so serialized. And so, you know, the world was just like the world, like our world, like earth was under threat constantly in those films. And this sort of has that same thing where it's, it's kind of like the planet that he lives on is under threat and the people he cares about are under threat. So we don't have any, we can't explore beyond the stratosphere of this planet is a weird thing for a Buzz Lightyear movie. Um, yeah. So I would, I would, you know, I'd be excited to like go into space with him and his new space ranger weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good launching pad to start. It's like one of those things where like, it's an origin to the origin. Like it starts, right. it ends where you think Lightyear franchise would start. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm game for more. I, I, I got to be honest, I was very disappointed walking out of this thing. I was bored and this and that. But the more I think about the details and talking with you guys, I'm like, I do appreciate a lot of parts of it, but um, it just wasn't at Pixar level. I don't me, think you know? we need to do this again. No. I'm the <laughs> defender of this film, but I don't think we need to do this again. No, no, no. 
I think do you like, want to? I think if anything, maybe you know. Overall, there's I mean, because there's big conversation about Miss Marvel right now, and like there might just be some simple fatigue on doing the same shit over and over. Like yeah. I know before the pandemic, we were all locked into a life of doing the same shit, reboots and remakes and sequels. But I think, you know, there might be a thirst for, for life out there for, for something new. Now things might have shifted. We might have to have Pixar just leaving. Remember when Pixar was like franchise proof, except for toy story. Like you, does anybody remember these days? Like, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I know kids, you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, I told you this magic hour would happen when we were getting to a certain point in this yeah. drink. I know. But, uh, oh. yeah, you, like Pixar used to be like franchise proof. They never went back. And then cars started making money and merch. And then we started getting cars. And then we got into this dirty side of things. And now everything <laughs> became franchised. And, like, yeah. so, you know, I mean, instead of trying to roll out Ratatouille, let's go to Germany or you know, Wally, <laughs> Strange New Worlds, like Bugs, just, Bugs Life too. Yeah, yeah. Let's just do <laughs> yeah. more things, take more risk, and keep making new stuff, like new and like new, new. I'm going to contradict what you just said and ask you a question: If you could get a sequel to any of the franchise-proof, you know, films that Pixar had previously released, which one would you choose? Like, if there was. You know, if you were going to go back like Bugs Life 2 or Wally 2 or, you know, some of those earlier films where we definitely did not expect to see a sequel, what would you tolerate a sequel for? Onward, one of the brothers dies and only becomes a headless suit of pants. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> two of them. Rob? No, um, let me see. Uh, I mean, I, I would just continue selling all our souls out and just make the Nemo thing a full trilogy. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that feels like uh, I would choose Wally, I think, Um, which is like obviously, you know, heresy because it's such a solid single film. And it was one of the most ambitious films of the time, just given how much of it is like silent and, you know, like a lot of new technology was developed for it and, and everything. But I think that's still an interesting universe. Like I like the idea of sort of a universe where humans like, you know, kind of just got lazy and it also feels very like, I don't know. It feels very of the time or something that we would just be handing all this responsibility over to like robots and stuff and just sitting in our little <laughs> recliners. But I, th- I still think that was an interesting world that I would want to explore more. Uh, actually, Honor would probably makes the most sense. It's the easiest to do something with those characters, but it's probably the least commercially viable. Um, I would uh, make a sequel to The Good Dinosaur, and it would be called The Good uh, Dino Rider. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would watch that. There you go. <laughs> Maybe they just need to make the Dino Riders movie, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's I'd like a Pixar. decade, yes. I'd watch a we Pixar Dino Riders decades. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I love that you were like... Yeah. I love that Rob was tweeting out pictures of his Dimetrodon toy. The other yeah, day. I found it, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. Um, all right. Well, okay. So, I mean, we can pretty much wrap this up, but I guess we covered for the most part, the, uh, why we think it's, why we think it's underperforming. So we probably don't need to like dig into that too much more. Yeah. Um, anything else you guys want to say about this before I would still, I would still definitely encourage people to go see this and I would still encourage people to see it in a theater, but 
I, you know, I will be interested to see what the, the Disney plus of it all looks like for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did think it was fun seeing it in the theater. There's a surge. Yeah. Don't risk it. <laughs> Kobe's Kobe's a stay at home. But risky for Top Gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Worth I feel it. The danger need, zone. The need to wheeze. <laughs> I would say, uh, yeah. I would. <laughs> 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 uh, true. Um, that I would, I would agree with that. I think of the three movies that are currently out. Um, I think you know Jurassic World Dominion is is fun to see on a big screen. So yeah, but I would, I would definitely say that if you haven't seen Top Gun in theaters, if you're talking about you the magic of the movies again, if you're looking at for that feeling, Top Gun is the one that's going to deliver that. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Yeah, yeah, with a distant second to Dominion, and then an even distanter second to. Uh, to light year probably okay well <laughs> from from pandemic movies and uh and surges to uplifting to an uplifting story of individual in hollywood who i don't know bro you're just drowning already you're gonna get I know, yeah. at the end of this intro we're talking about ezra miller we're talking about the flash and what the fuck to do about that yeah. uh, ezra miller they have been out here wild and we need to talk about ezra is a real is a real movie we need to make and talk about sequels. We have a legacy sequel called We Need to Talk About Ezra. Um, you know, all alleged. I'm not getting sued. This is all alleged. But, um, yeah, Ezra Miller's had a lot of problems going back to just, I mean, there was always weird blips with Ezra Miller saying weird things about having weapons and having crazy views about things and kind of weird, aggressive responses to things. But, you know, people are people and you can't really judge that too much but uh now we start seeing some of the you know aggressive behavior i mean we all watched with our own eyes the icelandic choke slam and you know (laughs) hearing other things that are going on you know there have been some social media posts as he's apparently like again all alleged i'm not a lawyer but like semi on the lamb right now pulling that old uh <laughs> with your boy from uh from that website you know what i'm talking about <laughs> when, yeah he was a real prince on social media now woof that guy anyway so i don't feel bad about referencing that as a joke yeah we've known some people that have gone on that who've had to go on that lamb it doesn't really go well when that happens from our personal experience of knowing people who have fallen into this dark time so um yeah man I say all that to say, what the fuck do we do about The Flash? So what we've heard is that, I mean, this movie was already in the can. Uh, Andy Muschietti and his team shot it. They shot it, and again, holy fuck, I think I'm pretty sure that we know from rumors, I mean, it's always tricky because we do, we are burdened by knowledge, but I have not heard anything. I'm not, I haven't been out in the field around any publicists about this or anything, so I cannot speak to anything that's real. But I think we know from rumors that, I mean, even pictures we've seen that Ezra Miller was going to also be playing multiple roles in this. Also, oh, Michael Keaton let the cat out of the bag saying the shit is multiplicity. So he kind of <laughs> let that out of the bag. Um, and, and yeah, so Ezra Miller's not just in this movie, but they are in this movie several times over. Uh, <laughs> like as different versions of Barry Allen, the Flash, possibly the villain. So this movie's already in the can. Ezra Miller's already at the front of it. And people are going nuts. But again, don't think Twitter is real. Do not think film Twitter is real. It's not a real thing. You know this 
because you could just simply close it and it really can largely not affect your life after that if you just fucking close your phone. So people are spazzing out on Ez Miller on film Twitter, yes. But the average person like across the world, I think people think Ezra Miller is a lot more famous than they actually are. So the average household person does not know who the fuck Ezra Miller is. Okay? So WB has the conundrum of just having to get this movie out in theaters. And by the time the conversation catches up about who is that young man who plays the Flash? Being like, first, you can't say it that way. You got to say that. Second... They have been kind of a complicated story there. Um, and they got to try to get that first weekend gross before that all gets out there. And, and, you know, mom and pop, middle of nowhere, begin to figure out who, what's going on here. Uh, but they also need to, and I think we all are saying, if WB, if you're not doing this, because they're already going out to a press saying they're not doing it, he's not, they are not, Ezra Miller's not in any future plans for WB, DC. And I think we've all been like, yo, there's an easy way out of this. And if you don't take door number one, you are stupid as F because, you know, in the end, this is a story about Barry Allen breaking time by doing something irresponsible. And by fixing time, the ultimate sacrifice might be we don't get that Barry Allen at the end of it, right? So we just get a different Barry Allen and cast somebody else as the Flash and just move on, which is... In, I mean, that's the only option for pretty much everything at DC, right? I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, except and, and don't piss off Gal Gadot or Joseph Momoa, or you're going to be doing it on those fronts too. Uh, but right now, you got the Flash you need to do this for. Batman you need to do this for. Superman you need to do this for. So, like, yeah. Um, Zack Snyder was wild when he recruited. Like, I feel like he was Bruce <laughs> Wayne. Like, and he went just to, like... <laughs> An Icelandic bar somewhere. It was just like, I heard you have a man here. You're like, well, it's not quite like that. They're like, well, let me speak to them. And then just like, I need friends. And that's how he got cast. That's how Miller was cast in Justice League. Um, but yeah, Zack Snyder's wild with the recruiting boy. Like, that's all I know. That's my only takeaway from this is Zack Snyder is a wild man with recruiting uh, actors. I mean, half those people are probably pretty wild. Gal Gadot knows how to kill. Uh, Jason Momoa is, you know, Jason Momoa. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the only wholesome hire he had was Henry, was good old Henry Cavill, and the one who's gotten screwed the most out of everything. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the, the funniest yeah. shit is? Like, going back to when we were first covering, like, you remember, like, back in this 2014 and, and Marvel's announcing phase three and then Warner Brothers does that investor call and like announces like 10 movies until 2020. <laughs> and they, they just kind of name drop Ezra Miller there. And then we learn the cast through BVS and like uh, of all the quote unquote controversial castings that we and even you, Kofi, wrote like defense pieces about. Like we, we explain why Gal Gadot would be good as Wonder Woman and why, uh, you know, oh, why, we uh, Momoa that. was great as Aquaman. Sure. And, and the two controversial ones are the only two they have fucking left. Everyone else, everyone else in the Justice League has, has been blown out. Like no, they blew every opportunity to do Man of Steel two, including one with Chris McQuarrie, uh, go see Top Gun, and which he helped write. And then the Affleck, they burned out his solo film and its spinoffs. And and Ray Fisher is fucking fired. And Ray Fisher, by the way, who says you know accountability over entertainment. I, I don't know if he said much about the Ezra situation since then. Um, 
and, and Mara's gone after Aquaman 2. So it's like there's nobody left. And, and for Warner Brothers, they just went through the same problem with Fantastic Beasts uh, 3 where they couldn't do a proper press tour. They, they couldn't dodge around the Johnny Depp stuff. They, Ezra Miller was part of that and couldn't do any of the press stuff for that. And now it's, now he's, now they're playing multiple characters in their $200 million superhero epic, which has gone through like eight years of development, five directors, 100 scripts. And they can't even – they don't even know what they're going to do. And, and, and according to Deadline, their new – since the merger, new Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav is, has to make a decision in the coming days and weeks about what they're going to do with that. And, and all the sources there are saying no matter what happens, even if there's no more quote-unquote incidents, alleged incidents with Ezra, like they're not Any coming more. back after this, right? So um, obviously. So – you can't dodge it forever. So, so yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're going to redo the relaunch or try to grow the DC universe at some point. I guess eventually that means trying to start fresh with almost all of these characters in some way. And I don't know if Flashpoint can set that up all at once, you know? Yeah. It seems like that's what they're just going to have to do at this point. Cause there's no, you know, I mean, we all, I think we all enjoyed Zack Snyder's justice league and, you know, there was kind of, I don't know. There was necessarily like hope that the Snyderverse would be like restored in that sense, but yes, I was. still, I still like, I still really liked that movie and, and a lot of Zach's casting. Look at the epilogue right now with that future. Yeah, where, like you know all the people who are gone. Since then, Mara's yeah, I mean, in it's... there. She's gone. Joe Manganiello, he's gone. Jared Leto's crying over right now. it's you know like i definitely was like down with the idea of kind of continuing with all these actors and and sort of going back to this plan but man i mean it has just been blown all to hell with a lot of the actors just you know i mean decisions on the part of wb that alienated some of them but also i mean just like you're saying you know the like the amber heard stuff and then this and ray fisher and i mean you know ben affleck not wanting to come back like it really is like, I think you guys were saying, I mean, Cavill is like the only one that is sort of like, yeah, I mean, I would come back and they just still like haven't brought him back. Cavill is a poor bastard just been sitting there like, hey guys, I'm, I'm here. I would, uh, yeah, tape is still in my closet. Yeah, yeah I got it. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love the fans. I'd uh, do it. The smartest, maybe the smartest thing that they should do is that they should use this, which we, we've always known that they were going to use this as a way of, you know, jettisoning some of the baggage that they had in terms of, you know, they're going to swap out Batman and they're going to, you know, there might be other characters that sort of get re just, like re-envisioned as a result of this. But I mean, the smartest thing they ought to do is probably have Cavill be one of the post-credit scenes and set that up for like a Superman movie. Because that is like a character that didn't it's change. It's going to be like, him handing over the cape to uh, what's her name? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. Supergirls in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's better on you anyway. Be like, yeah. I'm gonna go find my career now, and he'll just throw on a white wig and go like flying out the out the yeah. ceiling. Good. <laughs> the white wig. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer, man. I but I the only thing they can possibly like people are saying they're not going to release this movie. I do not think that it's even conceivable that they won't release it. Um, they spend way too much money on this and they have way too much, like they have way too much grounded in, in the idea of, you know, Batman and Supergirl being in this and having those characters appear, you know, I mean, we know that Keaton's Batman is showing up in Batwoman, right? Like 
I mean, they're yeah. This is supposed to be the launch pad and explanation for Keaton's nine movie story arc or whatever they're trying exactly. to do there. So yeah, exactly. So I mean, they're not. They spent too much money on this to like jettison it, and it's getting too positive. I mean, most of the test screenings have been really positive, which is why this is so unfortunate. Outside of you know, like Ezra's personal life and the people that he's affected. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you think they'll still release it? I think they're in too deep. I, I think they're in too I deep. Think, oh, I do. I just think that the film could be more problematic than we think. I oh think yeah, I mean that's that's possible. Productions that have happened in the last couple of years. But yeah, 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 no, I mean that's that's so dope. Look at Lex. Oh, there's Deathstroke. It's Joe Manganiello, and he has a real costume. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, true. I'm watching the end of Justice League. I'm just trying to uh, <laughs> don't release it, but you can't promote it. And then yeah, they'll try to push yeah, it on HBO Max. Yeah, I mean that's what I but, figure uh, at this point. It's like but the it end matter. of the movie. Is, is, I think with the after, post, you know, post merger, everything's different. New leadership and 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 Zaslav's been so open about like this is one of the biggest pillars what we have is DC library. We got to start fresh. So, I mean, the, the baller move is just like, let's just start from scratch, bring back Cavill and Affleck or something and try it again. And you know what I mean? That would be like, yes, that would be the way to do it. Right. Except for army hammer back. Let's get this justice league mortal off the ground, bitches. Yeah. (laughs) But something crazy. Remember we all started out and we were covering justice league mortal. Oh, Oh yeah. God. Yeah. I, I remember, well, like, I was on set when that was happening. I think that might have been like me and Rob, because I remember. It probably we, so it probably was. Yeah, it was. It was a little bit before my time, but I was exposed to Justice League Mortal because I interviewed the guy who was supposed to play Superman when I was on my first set visit for GI Joe. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he, he was in that movie. Yeah, he was in that movie, and we asked them. I mean, we asked him questions about that on on set. Could you um, He was talking about the super suit having all those lights and shit. Army and Hammer had gotten to play Batman and just a guy hanging out, creeping out in a cave. Man, it's, it's he very. It. He would have nailed it. Yeah, it's, it's very modern <laughs> Warner Brothers stalking, DC casting. Stalking an entire city. You know, he would have nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a freaking disaster. Um, I Yeah, I mean, at this point, to me, they release it. They recut the end of it where, you know, he goes through time or something and comes out on the other end, a different actor. Yeah, um, Dylan O'Brien, right? Like, Isn't that what Screen Geek was reporting? Saying Dylan O'Brien's going to play the character at the end or like, what? Yeah. Or the next film it, or something? There's so many people like petitioning for Grant Gustin too, but man, I like Grant Gustin. I'm sorry, guys. Grant Gustin is not a big screen like Flash. I just like, I don't, I don't see it. Um, he, he's had a great run you know pardon the pardon the pun or whatever on on the cw with that with that show but i don't you know and i like him but i i don't i don't see him stepping in here as as the guy just like kofi's saying they're trying to reset all this stuff not try and like you know carry on like a tv show into a movie or anything um yeah i don't know (laughs) who would you who would you cast at the end of this thing jeez grant gusted baby no. Yeah, honestly, dude, it, it sounds ridiculous, but honestly, like the ultimate, if they want to fix every problem they've ever had, the last shot is just the Justice League with fucking Grant Gustin standing there wearing a different costume. And, Lord and every, everybody's back, you know, and, and they tease the Justice League or some Bro, shit. They're having lightsaber fights in the Flash. He is so bored. He needs to get out of there. But he loves the fans. He loves to yeah. roll and like giving him a movie shot would, you know, 
it would give TV actors everywhere hope. And yeah. you know, I think the fans would just rally behind it. It'd be such a, like a fan it's an thing. Easy way out. Yeah. Take the easy route. Just don't go back to Zach for some casting because, <laughs> man, I love you, Zach Snyder, but my God, you are so wild. With Crazy people. I think the craziest moments yeah. I've had in this industry have all been like Zack Snyder castings. Yes, it has. <laughs> do you guys, I mean, do you even remember that? I was going out of my door to a dinner party and I had, like, they were waiting for me at a restaurant and I had to stop and drop, not even back fully in my apartment. I remember that. In the doorway of my apartment, sitting half with half my leg out and half my leg in, and like had to hammer out that Ben Affleck Batman casting, which was insane traffic i will never forget yeah. that um yeah i remember we were was... doing the podcast we were doing the other podcast when jesse eisenberg got cast as Lex Luthor, <laughs> yeah. which was oh my still God. one of the most fun moments i think i've ever had in this job <laughs> yeah we were it's our live reactions because we were just talking about it and it, it fit i forget whose point it, i forget if it was my point or rob's point or somebody but it fit perfectly to like whoever was talking and saying we were having a heated argument about wb and casting and the crazy shit they were doing and then it fit in perfectly because we were just like, oh, oh, yeah, well, here you go. Jesse Eisenberg, there you go, fucker. And then everyone was like, wait, no, what? Uh, uh, that was yeah. great. So, yeah, man, it's been a while. Gal Gadot, I mean, we fought a small war just to just to support that. I can't believe people didn't buy that. Oh, my God, people. Oh, my God, the arguments were so stupid. I'm proud that you guys did that. We were so on the ball, but like explaining why these castings were like, oh, pr- pretty hey, fucking great. I'm you know? proud to say I got to go over see Wonder Woman Edit Bay visit, and I was the first person in this industry in the world to say Wonder Woman is going to be like the first smash hit like DC movie because I saw the Wonder because I got to see the uh, the uh, crazy. Um, no Man's Land sequence. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, yeah, and I just went to Patty Jenkins and I just straight up shook her hand. I was like, you did it. She's like, I don't know. I was like, shut <laughs> up. I know these things. You did it. And you've done it. You're going to be a hit. Yeah. Ken, you're going to be a hit. Like, I just like ran away into London. And like after that, this was in like Soho, London. That was a good uh, that was a good trip. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew. I knew that Israeli woman was going to conquer the world. Yeah. Lo and behold, here we are. I saw her jump out of a yeah. plane in uh, Fast and Furious 6 and shoot two guns to save her man. Even though it oh, meant yeah. her death. Or is it her death? Oh, yeah. She's, what if she's the villain in Fast 10? Yeah, why not? Why yeah, not? I mean, at this point, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> My brain cannot the hold the information of what I... happened to F9. I can't. I went to see it. It was one of those things. Like I had to go see it on a Thursday. I cannot, and I've been so scared to open up Peacock and like, play it again but my brain couldn't comprehend what happened in that movie i think it was too stupid <laughs> i almost watched this. so i still haven't seen that i watched it on or i was gonna watch it on the plane the other day but i watched for all mankind instead and like yeah I think that good call better, uh, decision yo man that this season is freaking crazy of that show i, I started I just, it this season uh, so i saw it they gave us all the screeners a couple weeks ago and i thought i saw the first two or three episodes and i never i got pulled into other the craziness that we're covering yeah. now, right? All the modern shows, but uh, no, I've not seen it all yet. That first, that first season three. Well, I haven't seen it. I mean, you're probably further ahead than I am. I'm only on the second episode of season three, but that first episode of season three was like very different than the rest of the show. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. I was oh, like yeah. almost for a second. I was like, Jesus, did I skip? Like, what are you two talking about? For all mankind, get the hell out of here. 
Yo, like Kofi, you gotta watch the show. It is some pretty great stuff. Some pretty great stuff yeah, in the no, first season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah cool no, I, sure. have, I mean, they call it for all being kind, but I don't know. Might not be asking the real questions. On this stream, they have to ask the real questions. Is it really for all yeah, mankind? Is it really? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> We're getting down to the last sips. Here we He's go. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. How much? How much more time right. do we have with you? Let's wrap it up so we get him for the outro. Yeah, yeah I mean, for sure. I can. I can end this whenever. I'm just. It's just kind of like a weird, like a <laughs> crap. <laughs> we don't mean no. Cut that part. But yeah, no. Leave it in. We'll put a beep over it, Ben. Uh, yeah. God, yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, we can wrap up. So that'll do it for this week's episode of Podcast X. You know, make sure if you haven't switched over to the new podcast feed, you do that. Um, next week, we'll read some reviews. I know I've been. Now, nah, we'll put them on Twitter. Forget that. We'll give you, we'll take a okay. the screenshots and we'll, we'll self promo like hardcore. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. We can, uh, we can do that. Next week, we're probably going to be talking some TV shows we've been watching. There's some, uh, you know, we're wrapping up Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we've also got a pretty pretty fun and uh, entertaining episode of The Boys to talk about with the Herogasm episode. Long, long-awaited Herogasm episode. So um, but we'll see. You know, maybe there'll be some breaking news or something. But All right, well, I am Ben Kendrick. You can follow me at Ben Kendrick on Twitter and check out what I'm up to over at Rise at 7. Um, Mr. Rob Keys. Yeah, head to uh, Collider, Screen Rant, CBR for our work and upcoming Comic-Con stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys. That's K-E-Y-E-S. And I'm um, FailCube on Twitch and Instagram. A special guest, and Kofi. I, I found out you're a talented and a visionary CEO. Uh, I mean, I, I have new respect for her because she outrushed and spied me, and she's been following me, and I had no idea for how long. I was like, wow. <laughs> Carrie's been, been following you? Yeah, I was like, I respect yeah. that. I was like, wow, that's we really got our cheap. eyes on all you guys. You get, yeah. You've learned, you've learned from my school. Oh, of, better behave of, then. Of Sith level <laughs> internet work that I started. Yeah. Ago. Yep. Twitter is the yep. ultimate. Got our eye on you. Tool. Ultimate yep. crowdsourcing tool. But Carrie like, wow, Rose, Carrie Rose, getting shout outs on the screen right now. That's good. So uh, shout out to your boss. All right. I'm Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at comicbook.com. I don't know if they want this association right about now, but here we are. Um, <laughs> Comic Book Nation, the only show that is a one-stop spot for all things geek culture. You don't believe me? Tell these guys to tell you about some anime and what happened today. Ben, That's don't true. Have <laughs> anime today. That's true. All right. If you want to know that stuff, Dragon Balls. care about all of geek culture, which with the funny thing about this culture is I can tell you from my show, not everybody cares about all of it. Everybody cares about their weird little monoliths, but here we are. Welcome to geek culture. We'll just keep pretending it's geek all culture for uh, whatever. Is it, uh, is it the Dragon Ball super reveals Vegeta's ultra ultra ego evolution vegeta who's vegeta just uh kidding comicbook.com is where you can find my work comic book nation or you can holler at me on twitter at kofi outlaw either way or <laughs> over here at podcast x where i will be uh doing special guest appearances till we get to the end of these drinks so yeah. <laughs> we're about there tonight and I'll throw it back to Ben because I'm not, I would just for a minute, I, f- I forgot that I'm not hosting this podcast. Ben. <laughs> That's okay. Anytime you want to take hosting duties, you're welcome. You're welcome. So guest host. 
I do have games where I sometimes, and you'll never, I don't know, I've done four four seasons of Comic Book Nation, but there are some episodes where I uh, actually open the show and host like I'm you sometimes. But you'll have to Yeah. Yeah, mm. I, uh, I, you do. I mean, you know, you do a great job of hosting that podcast. I actually, because I, li- you know, I, I've said it before. I listen regularly, and I'm yeah, constantly impressed. Yeah, who said I can tell the difference between when you're on and when you're like just doing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got those yeah, messages. I mean, There's some really savvy listeners yeah. out here. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Wait, so how do you say how do you say this Dragon Ball Z character name? Vegeta. Vegeta. Okay, Vegeta. Vegeta yeah. man. That's what I said, right? where you guys have to watch yeah. something anime that i pick oh, what's oh man, well, yeah. movie? this new dragon ball super movie comes out i'm gonna make you guys watch that i mean I, I would i have to I would definitely i would definitely do that i would definitely do that <laughs> um all right guys well have a good week have a good week listeners we will talk to you all again soon i was gonna i was gonna say something like to infinity ambient <laughs> but i decided not <laughs> yeah yeah <probably> not. <laughs>